All right, it's the Storm Tracker podcast back for another week here, and it's game week. It's it's the week that we've been waiting for all year since Mario Cristobal decided to return home to Miami. Uh, first game is against Platoon Cookman. Uh, should be a game that Miami wins comfortably. Should be, um, but. I want to kind of ask off the bat, what would be kind of like a comfortable score that you would, you would say, okay, that is sufficient and um, is, is kind of good enough uh, for, for week one here? I think anything from a six to seven touchdown differential should be the target range. You got to have a substantial victory in this game against a Bethune-Cookman team that's an FCS opponent. It's just got to set the tone for what the rest of the season is going to bring. I mean, as soon as – Week three, you have a headline opponent in Texas A&M. So this is going to be a game that really carries momentum into that week three matchup. And I think that they need to to come out with a bang to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that they'll get a shut they'll get a shutout in this game uh, just because the level of talent is 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 clear and apparent and. I know the coaches will have them ready to go uh, for this game. Obviously, it's game one, so you kind of want to start off the, the, the year out uh, with some aggression, with um, some efficiency. Um, and I think the, the second and third level guys are good enough to keep Bethune-Cookman out of the end zone. Um, I think they, they don't – I think Bethune gets no more than two field goals in this game. Um, at the most and anything more than that would be a total uh, disappointment uh, I think for for that coaching staff for that team and all the, all of the fans and what will also be interesting is how many fans show up because Miami fans are you know that they're, they're like the loudest but they're the ones who don't show up as well so they they, they show up loud on, on on social media or whatnot and you know, very encouraging as far as uh, getting prospects to commit to Miami. But when it comes to the stadium or the game atmosphere, it's usually subpar. So it will be interesting to see how many fans show up. And I want to see how that um, how how that shows up in the first game as well as the second game as well. Both two home games against uh, far lesser opponents and usually – the crowds don't show up, but um, Rad- uh, Dan Radakovich, the athletic director, did say that 50,000 season tickets uh, were sold, um, but that not- doesn't or distributed out. <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily mean that that they'll show up, uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll definitely be watching for that, uh, just to kind of see what the buzz really is surrounding the Miami Hurricanes. When I mean. You know, when when you read things and you see things online, it seems like there's a tremendous buzz. But you will you really see how big the buzz is with the amount of with the amount of fans that show up in the stadium. But um, so yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to to seeing that, and also as far as the game is concerned, I want to see Tyler Van Dyke just come out and be efficient. And uh, kind of, I want him to. You would like him to score on on, on every drive that he goes out there um, to play, and that that that's what you would want to see. The other thing I want to see on the other side 
is just tackling. Got him. You got to see tackling improve. Um, it'd be heartbreaking to see a bunch of missed tackles on Saturday uh, for Hurricanes fans. So you'd want to see a lot of a lot of three and outs, and I just think just them getting off the field. Uh, so those those are kind of the main things that that I want to see. I don't want to see TVD in the second quarter. You know, to be honest, I want him to see him play the first quarter, and hopefully he scores on on his three. Uh, or maybe for a series in that first quarter. And then I want to see a, a, a heavy dose of, of Jake Garcia and Ja'Curry Brown. Uh, so those, those are really kind of the things that I want to see in this game going in. Yeah, I, I think for me, I want to see a connection between the receivers not named Xavier Strepo and Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, more of a consistency catch in the football, especially against an opponent that really should be considered like a practice squad type team, a tune-up type game. So I think coming from those first two scrimmages, everything that we heard was that our receivers were kind of struggling. So I'd like to see big performances from everybody on the depth chart. This is a game where we should kind of empty the bench. So Romello Brinson, this should be another shiny game. We've seen moments from him against FCS opponents like uh, Central Connecticut State. Uh, I think this should be another big game for him. I think Michael Redding needs to have a performance uh, to where we kind of start to see a little bit of that four-star four, four star potential. And I think this should be a game that Keyshawn Smith might have to make a big play. We haven't really seen him have that big play ability since he's come to Miami. He's been more of one of those intermediate to possession-type receiver-type players that um, we haven't really had a chance to see that four 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 five speed, I mean, that four three four four speed that was uh, building a little bit of a hype before he uh, came to Miami. So I'm excited to see him, you know, kind of have a little bit of a breakout performance, hopefully in just the first half. But that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Also, I want to see how that depth rotation works for the defense. We've heard a lot of rumors that there's going to be a three deep rotation at pretty much all levels of the defense. We're going to see, you know, some of the safety depth come up, Brian Ballum and, 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 and Keyshawn Washington. Let's see what they can do because we're going to rely heavy on those three safeties at the top of the depth chart. But God forbid there's any injuries, which is something that happens over the course of the season. We need to know what these guys can do behind them. We've seen Brian Ballum in a, in a few different moments when he was a freshman. Um, and obviously linebacker play is going to be a question mark um, that we got to figure out. Uh, is Corey Flagg going to be that middle linebacker? Is Caleb Johnson going to be, live up to the billing as that instant impact transfer portal uh, acquisition? And is Wesley Besaint going to show us what he did at Miami Central? Those are some things that I'm going to be looking for. Yeah, one more thing is uh, Lucia Stanley, the uh, walk-on running back um, from UAB. Uh, I want to see him get going a little bit in this game. I'd rather not see Jalen Knighton even play at all. I, I don't think there's any need to even play Jalen Knighton. I want to see a heavy dose of that. Uh, Franklin, I want to see Henry Parrish uh, get going in this game. And um, probably most importantly, I want to see that running back room remain healthy after this game. Another tragic thing that could happen is, is, is just another injury to that particular room. Uh, but I do want to see Stanley come out there and really kind of show uh, what he can do. If he comes out there and he has the most carries, that would be the most I ideal situation for me. Um, him and Franklin, I, I would hope, gets the most carries uh, in this game. Uh, Thad Franklin, last time he had a huge game was against Central Connecticut State last season. So 
Um, I, I would imagine this is going to be a similar type of deal where, you know, Franklin just eats up a lot of yards late, late in the game and scores, scores a few touchdowns. And we're hoping to see that also from Lucius uh, Stanley. And just like you said, uh, the linebacker group, uh, I want to see Cor Corey Flagg really kind of step up and be that alpha dog in that uh, linebacker room because linebacker has been, you know, subpar, I guess you could say, for the past couple of years since, you know, the trio of, 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 of Quarterman, Pinckney, and McLeod have, have now moved on. Uh, since that trio was together, um, we are kind of searching for the next next guy or next group as a unit to really kind of perform on a level that Miami Hurricanes are kind of used to. Um, so other than that, um, just hoping every, everybody comes out healthy. And then also Will Mallory is somebody that I would rather not play in this game. Uh, I don't see any reason why you kind of need to play Will Mallory. Yes, he uh, Coach Cristobal did say he's ready to go and he's healthy, but I don't think there's any reason to, to really play him a lot of snaps. You should play Arroyo and, you know, let Khalil Brantley and Jaleel uh, Skinner and Mamorelli get in there. Um, you've got a ton of guys, ton of capable guys in that tight end room uh, that can, you know, essentially make plays for you in this game and the next. So I can understand if you want him in there for a couple of series to just kind of get his feet wet, but don't want to see a lot of Will Mallory uh, in this game as well. So uh, anything else about the game that you kind of want to talk about? Because, um, you know, well, we got other topics that we want to uh, kind of touch on. Yeah, the last thing I think we just got to see what the rotation on the offensive line is going to look like. You know, no Zion Nelson in this game. So you're going to see if somebody steps up at that left tackle spot as a potential candidate to play at right tackle. Uh, we're going to see some DJ Scaife. We're going to see some John Campbell. I think this is an audition moment for Campbell. If he really comes out and does really well, obviously it's an FCS opponent like we've mentioned. But if he is lights out in this game after what was considered a strong camp, he's got a chance to be that guy going into week three is that right tackle spot. Move DJ Scaife to that to that guard spot. And, and we could have a really strong group on the offensive line. We got to see. We got to see because we have seen in the past where we've gotten some pressure from underwhelming opponents, right, in the past on the offensive line work. It just hasn't looked that great. So uh, Mario Cristobal and, and, and Coach Maribel, this is their specialty, the offensive line, developing this group. So I want to see how much they've improved. Uh, we don't really get to see a ton of what they can do in practice. And we heard in spurts that the offensive line looks really good in scrimmages, but Overall, overall, we got to see it in person. It's game time now, and, and I'm excited to see how that rotation ends up playing out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and lastly, I mean, uh, I'm excited just to see what the tailgating action is like. I feel like uh, fans haven't had a moment to really do a, a full tailgating season, um, you know, with the, with the COVID stuff. Uh, I think people are, are really okay with kind of getting back to normal. Um, so excited to see that. Um, I do have some, some, some plans when it comes to that as well. Uh, more to come on, on canescounty.com when it comes to the game atmosphere. Uh, but next, uh, we wanted to kind of touch on the high school games of the, of the past week and, and what the Hurricanes commits and targets uh, did. First and foremost, uh, got to talk about 
the the big game of the weekend, which, which was IMG versus Miami Central. Um, I had the privilege to uh, be out there and kind of see it firsthand. And Ruben Bain was was absolutely dominant in the second half. And I do want to say they moved him around away from Malagoa, who was obviously the best offensive lineman on that team. And then uh, also Antonio Tripp was was not in the game, did not play the other Miami commit uh, from that offensive line at AMG. So uh, strategically, Central kind of moved Bain around to where he can get loose. And um, he was on the inside. And and that that's the thing about Ruben Bain is that he's versatile. And he's a guy who should be considered a five-star talent. I mean, this is a guy who led the nation in sacks and then just had a dominant performance against IMG, one of the best teams in the country. He comes out of, out of that game with three sacks and, you know, a victory in Bradenton. So he should definitely be considered, I think, a five-star level talent because he, you know, showed up in the on the biggest stage. And Miami needs to continue to push hard for this kid. This kid obviously is a fan of the Miami Hurricanes, uh, likely will be at maybe several games uh, this season. Uh, and they need to make him a high priority over some of the other defensive ends that they are looking at when uh, compared to a uh, uh, Samuel Mpemba, who was, you know, a non-factor in this game. And Jaden Wayne, who I think was also pretty much a non-factor in this game uh, against Miami Central. Um, Jaden, I mean, obviously Jaden Wayne is already committed uh, to the class, but he's considered a, a five-star talent. And my point is, is that in a game like that, Bain showed up and Wayne, not so much. I mean, he had maybe one tackle for loss that I remember, um, but not in a big way as Ruben Bain did. And um, I really was, was wanting to compare Damon Wilson, uh, not not Jaden Wayne. It, it was Damon Wilson that Miami is also looking at as well. And... I'm just hoping that they put more of a priority on a Bain rather than Mpemba or um, David Wilson. So I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. And my, uh, my whole spiel this off season has been that Ruben Bain has to be priority number one as a pass rusher for the 2023 class. There's a reason he led the country in sacks. You can talk semantics with the heights all you want. Uh, potential, ceiling, whatever you want to do. I think that, uh, you know, option 1A is going to be Ruben Bain. And I think that the Miami staff also feels that way. There's a reason they brought his brother onto the staff. There's a reason that they hired uh, his former defensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, you want to build a pipeline to Miami Central, but uh, the guy you want to get is Ruben Bain in this class. Um, I think there was a couple other Central guys that really stood out in this game. Kamari Wallace, 2025 safety. Got a pick to end the game. He's going to be a guy that Miami's going to be going after. He's already got about seven or eight offers uh, of, of from high-profile programs. And then Wayne McCoy got that pick six where he almost loses the game in a way, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a touchdown. They get the W. He's got a pick six, Was was uh you know played some offense as well. He's going to be that athlete-type player that it, 
is a Miami Garden Raven. If you can add him to that group that is Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader and Chance Robinson and Davion Gows and C.J. Bailey, just, you know, the uh, kind of similar to what Northwestern, uh, you know, brought to Miami in 07, I think that you, he's one of those kids that you got to add to that conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Lights Out. They also had a great game on the FIU commit. Uh, also had a great game at, at, in in that win over IMG. Um, so other other big games of the weekend, we, we saw basically Broward County against the world and Broward County dominated um, to say the least. Uh, they they as far as the record is concerned, they went in, in, in eight games, they went seven and one. Uh, a, a lot of the games weren't really games or weren't contests at all. Uh, Dillard, Western, American Heritage uh, pretty much handled their their opponents uh, very, very easily. Uh, St. Thomas had a, had a tough time with uh, St. Joseph's, I think it was. Yeah, from Pennsylvania. And... Um, and Chaminade nearly gave the game away at the end there with St. John's, um, although they were dominant pretty much in that whole game. Yeah, they let they let backups in that game. So you know, once they took JJ and JoJo out and and Zayquan and all those kids, then St. John's got back into it. But we saw yeah. twenty one to seven. Twenty one. It was twenty one to seven early. Uh, at one point, it was thirty. I thought it was thirty five to seven. 35 to 7. Yeah. And then yeah. 35 14. And then they kind of let him back into it with a pick six. And up on, like, are they, Chaminade only allowed one offensive touchdown. There was three right. defensive touchdowns, which is a pretty fluky and fluky performance on St. John's part. They have some really good players. But just overall, we saw yeah. a lot of Miami targets in that game. They really well. Saquon Patterson blocks a kick, was all over the field as a, you know, whether it was in the pass game or, you know, coming up and being an enforcer in the run game. Obviously, JoJo and JJ were lights out. They even threw a touchdown to each other. So that was that was fun to watch. Uh, Davion Gows didn't do much, kind of banged up a little bit in this game. But I was pleasantly surprised with C.J. Bailey, Cedric Bailey, the quarterback for Shamanamadan. I think he evaded pressure really well. Obviously, there were some mistakes in this game. But from a 16-year-old quarterback, right, you're going to get that. He's a baby, right? But – um, you know, I, I loved what I got a chance to see from him. I think he made some huge throws in this game, especially on the run. He's a legit six 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 seven, and really has a frame that projects out to the next level. That, with his mobility, I think he's still got some work to do, obviously, with the throwing motion and stuff like that. But if Miami pulled the trigger on a C.J. Bailey, I would, I would not be upset. Yeah, me either. Me either. I think C.J. Bailey is a uh... – He's got a very high ceiling, um, but you know he's he's kind of got a low floor as well. It's like he can go really high or he can go really low. It re- really kind of depends on how the season plays out. And he's got every opportunity to show the nation how good he is. And I'm excited for him and, and that entire team. But what I took away from that game in particular is JoJo. Man, JoJo really kind of showed up big in, in that game for me. The fact that, you know, one, he was just kind of plugged in to, to do that double pass. And it's not like that's anything that he practiced. Whoever does, whoever was, uh, whoever does that play, and I think it might have been Speedy or, or someone else 
it was supposed to be the one who to throw the football and they just kind of asked him to do that and he just goes out there and does that for the first time just kind of gives you a sense of just how athletic he is and how um how he doesn't fold under pressure as well and this is a guy that was playing both ways last night uh, uh saturday night as well where he's playing safety and receiver so yeah i mean he, he was plugged in a, in a lot of different ways and and at the end of the game i had a chance to speak to jojo and he was very high on miami very high on on you know the staff and and just playing for miami in the future is a really high possibility from what i gathered at the end of the game and he just wants to see miami win and he is going to be at the game against texas a&m in college station along with jj and hakeem williams is also planning to be there as well so that game is really going to loom large when it comes to recruiting um how these teams look on the field is really important uh despite what some may say that that it that it's a non-factor i don't really believe that i really i think it's a big factor i think it's a huge factor when you're when you're coming down the line and, and you're comparing Miami to teams like Alabama or Ohio State, you know, Florida, and we all pretty much kind of think, hey, Ohio State's probably going to win the Big Ten and Alabama likely going to win the, the SEC. Miami can mess around and win the ACC. That kind of puts them on par with, with those teams as far as a, a prospect choosing a school. Something that JoJo said was, Hey, even if they don't win, I just want to see them go far because because it means that they're building is exactly what he said. So so these these recruits just need to see Miami continue on a, on an upward trajectory. And if that happens, then they have potential to, to pretty much get any player in the country. They have potential to get a Cormani McLean. They have potential to get a David Hicks it, if you know, they perform on the field like we think they will based on their schedule. So, so yeah, I, I think they have a great chance of getting both now five-star receivers from, from Shamanad Madonna if they continue to, to win and continue to recruit them as hard as they have been recruiting them, which they are in constant communication with both, uh, both of those players and a lot of the other players on that Chaminade Madonna team. So um, very positive uh, outlook that I took from the end of that game. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, and speaking of Zaquan Patterson after that game, raved about the Marcus Van Dyke. He used to coach him in Little League. So there's he, – he said he's not even like a college coach to him. He's more like family. So that's going to be a big factor in his recruitment. So just a quick note there. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as uh, the other games, um, I feel there were prospects from from each game on on that hot baking Saturday that that we were at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas that you know uh, expressed interest in the Miami Hurricanes, and the other was Damari Brown, you know the uh, leg legacy kid uh, out of American Heritage had a dominating game in my opinion uh, against Los Alamitos, uh, the top quarterback in the country Malachi Nelson uh Brown was able to intercept him he had he had a few pass breakups and he was lined up against 
one of the best receivers in, in the country in Makai Lemon. Um, Makai Lemon got the better of him on, on a couple of catches, but, um, you know, that, that happens obviously in football. But overall, I, I was impressed with what I saw from, from Damari Brown. And I spoke to him after the, after the game as well. And he's, of course, very high on Miami. When I talked to him about, you know, his dad's relationship, he had a smile about, you know, that relationship and just, you know, the, the constant communication uh, that he gets from the staff. And Miami's definitely in it. Uh, Florida State is, 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 is a team that's definitely in it as well. Uh, based on Randy Shannon, who is a coach over there, uh, you know, former head coach at Miami, is now a coach uh, over there at Florida State, played with his dad, uh, Selwyn Brown. So, so there is a connection there uh, for Florida State, and uh, they are still uh, actively recruiting Damari Brown. And, um, yeah, th- those I think are probably the, the top two teams uh, at this point. Alabama's also in the mix as well. Um, he, he said uh, that he would uh, be visiting Miami September 23rd. That's already locked in. He said Florida State could be a possibility, so he hasn't locked in a date uh, with Florida State uh, yet. Uh, but I think those are, those are pretty much kind of the, the top two teams. At this point, and also Clemson. Sorry, Clemson too. Yeah, you have to mention Clemson is 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 definitely one of the uh, top teams that he is looking at. That's a team that he uh, he considered his favorite team growing up, and 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 it's surreal to him that um, you know Clemson is interested in him. So Clemson is also a major player in Demari Brown's recruitment. Yeah, everything I'm hearing on the Demari Brown front is that Miami's a front runner. Uh, The one team that does scare me. It's not Clemson, it's not Florida State, it's Alabama. Because Alabama really hasn't picked up the interest as much as they can. Obviously, they are loaded in their 2023 defensive backfield. You know, kids like Caleb Downs and, you know, just a, a wealth of, of, of talent that they have been able to grab. And obviously, for Monty McLean is a Miami-Alabama battle at the moment. And if they're able to grab a for Monty McLean, I think that might take Damari Brown out of the class for them, potentially. So, um, they're the one team that I could see is if they really turned up the heat, it could be a tough thing for Miami. But as long as Bama really isn't focusing on Brown, I think that Miami's the team to beat there. I think they've shown a ton of interest in him. Uh, obviously, the corner commits haven't been up to par. Right, We got Robert Stafford, who's an athlete, who's going to be a little bit of a project when he comes here. Um, but that's really not a problem because we've heard Coach Adai's uh, comments on young corners in the past. It's, it's going to take time for them to get on the field. We're not going to be seeing a lot of freshman starters here at the University of Miami. So, um, but yeah, but then, I, you know, I, I got a chance to speak to Brandon Ennis. Obviously, we put the interview out there and, and we heard that Mario Cristobal is recruiting him harder than anybody in the country. That includes Ohio State. So I think that's a huge factor there. Obviously, we've heard rumblings of the conversations that have been had uh, between him and Miami and other people involved. I, I feel... I feel pretty good about the the prospects of him and Mark Fletcher. Um, I don't know if they're in a position to flip right now. I think Miami's going to have to win this year for something like that to happen. And if, and if it does happen, it will probably happen later in the process. I would not be shocked to see Brandon Ennis visit Miami on official, unofficial visits and potentially an, uno- an official visit down the line. But multiple games, multiple visits to the school on weekends and stuff like that. 
I think that and winning is going to put Miami in a position to maybe make a flip here. Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, with that. I think Brandon Ennis has a real chance to flip to, to Miami because, you know, he still has a couple of official visits left. And, you know, he, he hasn't officially – obviously he's visited the University of Miami, but he hasn't officially visited it, and, and Fletcher as well. And they're pushing hard for both. Um, I think it will come down to – you know, if, if Miami wins, uh, I know Cristobal and his staff is going to continue to push and continue to push for an official visit. But I think if Ohio state ends up winning the national championship, then it's over, you know, or, or is in the, in the, uh, in the college football playoff, I, I think it could potentially be over um, because Ohio State. Let's just be honest. Uh, they've been they've been winning a lot at a, at a higher clip than my at a far higher clip than Miami has in the past ten years or so. So that that's what these kids see. And these kids. One thing I'm going to say is though. Kids are only one thing like I'm going to say is though. Years old. <laughs> I think yeah. if Brian Hartline gets a job somewhere else, one of the hot head coach candidates after the season, right, or towards the end of the season. That could change things too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility that that happens. I know he's an Ohio State guy. I know he's been there for a little bit, but this guy is one of the biggest recruiters in the country. If you, yeah. if you, what, what if, a, what if Michigan has a bad year, right? What if, uh, what if, uh, you know, another high-profile team like a Texas really comes out and has a bad season, right? You could see Brian Hartline being in the conversation for those jobs, and I think a big factor in the relationship between the South Florida Express kids and Ohio State is that Brian Hartline connection. He's been one of the main recruiters. And I could see him potentially jumping ship to getting a high-profile head coaching job. If that happens, Mm -hmm. I think you could see maybe even a bigger opportunity for Miami to come jump in and, and, you know, finish the job. He's the wide receivers coach, though, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't quite see him jumping from wide receivers coach to head coach, but I could see him being an OC uh, somewhere. And I could see, see him being an OC at like, a, you know, a, a team that's supposed to be great, but that's not doing well, like like maybe a Florida or a Florida State. I could see him jumping to those type of jobs as the OC um, first. And, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's actually a really good point because that is a point that, also, Fletcher made as well. He said, you know, if there's a major coaching change, then, you know, Miami's going to be be the pick, you know. So that could be to be the potential reason why, why they would flip if, if the Ohio State running back coach decides to go elsewhere, finds another job uh, that's more beneficial for, for, for him, then that, that could be absolutely a possibility. I, I, all I know is that it's going to be exciting kind of watching this story unfold uh, because Miami fans are going to explode if it happens, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be just jubilation and elation from, from the Hurricanes fan base. If something like to that magnitude happens and if it does, then that means you have potential at anybody, you know, you have potential at pretty much anybody else outside of their positions, you know, maybe, maybe, you won't get a top-notch uh, other running back or or receiver, 
but potential for all the other positions, like a Cormani McLean, if he sees that, you know, then he potentially will be moving down south. Or if David Hicks sees something like that happening, then he he may want to to make the move down to South Florida. So it'll be exciting to see. And um, the the other game from the day was St. Thomas and St. Joseph. I alluded, alluded to that earlier. Frank, you wrote a story on the two safeties uh, that we love, uh, King Mac and Conrad Hussey. So what's the latest with them? Yeah, they both said that Miami's been in, in pretty constant communication with them. DeMarcus Van Dyke has kind of been the point, point man on that recruitment. Uh, Coach Steele has been in a you know a little bit of a contact with the two, but I think that it's potential that they are the two safeties in this class. There hasn't been a lot of noise on any safety prospects since losing Jonel Aguero and uh, Jaden Bonsu. So, um, you know, having two really good local options that are committed to a school like Penn State that, you know, isn't always recruiting down here, right? Like, there's not that South Florida connection. I know that they got a couple of coaches, including Manny Diaz, um, that, you know, have South Florida uh, expertise, I guess you could say. But if Miami really wanted to push the issue and get these two guys, I could easily see them get into this class because now they're going to be the focus, right? Before they weren't, before, you know, Penn State was really making them a priority. And these two kids want to play together as a duo. And I think that there's an opportunity for Miami to grab a King Mac as a true safety and then bring in Conrad Hussey as a kid that can play either corner or free safety. Um, and, and I think that's got to be a priority for Miami because over the next year or two, we could start to see some attrition at the position as James Williams and Avante Williams and Cam Kinchins can be getting that NFL hype um, as, you know, the next year or two goes on. And if you lose those two guys, there's really not them. Like Marquise Williams and, and, and Brian Ballum and kids like that are, are good players. But to win national titles, you have to have a – wealth of talent at every position, right? We, yeah. Mario Cristobal has talked about that, that there was a drop-off in talent from every us and the rest of the country. And I think even, you know, our AD, Dan Radakovich, said Miami is a little bit of a ways behind right now from the rest of the country, but they're getting there, right, in regards to facilities, in regards to talent. We've upped the amount of coaches that are on the staff. That was something that he pointed out as well. So I, I, could, I would love to see a King Mac and a Conrad Hussey in this class and I think if they continue to press, that's a potential flip opportunity for Miami as well. Yeah, well, we'll continue to watch that and see how that unfolds throughout the season as well. And you touched on uh, a little bit on Radakovich, but we'll get to that in a second. But last thing on, on high school football, we got a couple of really good games this week, so just want to touch on that. First, we've got Booker T. Washington against uh, Edison. Um, a lot of potential Miami targets in this game. And then, of course, we got the Miami commit and Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph. Quickly, your thoughts on that game. I think it's going to be a really good battle. Uh, Ice Harris, a former Miami coach, is now back at Booker T. Washington. They look sound. They look good. They beat up on Killian last week. Um, they got Gerald Monis, the kid that you and I are both very high on at was, running back. I think that was Glade Central that they beat up on last week oh okay okay yeah i just i saw that they 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 had a big victory forgot who it was um but i just know that you know they look good they look good they got you know gerald modest and is going to be a a guy that i think miami might be looking at in the next class four-star running back uh claude l sherman's been one of the better quarterbacks in south florida over the last year 
Um, and and I like the I like what they have going on. Jamori Flags, another kid that you know could be a Miami uh, interior defensive lineman target going into 2024. Another four star kid. Um, and and obviously this is going to be a a bounce back game for Ray Ray Joseph. We need to we need to see a little bit more from him. Um, I think quarterback play with Adrian Posse now in the fold uh, could see that jump that you know the the, pos- the the passing game becomes a little bit more of a focus. Um, and, and I'm excited to see this matchup. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Um, I believe this game is on Thursday at yeah. Travis Powell Stadium. So, um, you know, big time, big time matchup at a big time place. Um, I like Ray Ray in, in, in these big time moments. And um, I, I think it's going to be one that everybody needs to watch. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm not sure if it's at Travis, but I do know it's Thursday night. Um, but I know yeah. Booker T's at home. I know Booker T's at home, and I don't think they have a home field. So, Traz or, or Tropical. So Okay. Well, we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the matchup because I want to see Adrian Posse, man. I want to see if he, he can actually get Ray Ray loose here uh, and so we can really see what, what he can do. Um, I do think Booker T ends up winning this game uh, just because I think overall they're just a better team. And I like their coaching staff a little bit better than, than Edison's. Um, and um, uh, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, you, you got to show me, Posse. Just like how I feel about Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, you got to show me. And, and I'm not sold yet. And until you sell me that you can play, then I won't be, you know, a supporter of you and your talents. But, you know, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm still waiting to see it. And, um, I, I don't believe it, and I think Coach Harris and his staff is going to figure out a way to kind of scheme around uh, Ray Ray. Um, the other big game is probably – it is the biggest game of the weekend is Chaminade versus Dillard. Um, this is a much-anticipated game. This is a chance for Dillard to really kind of show where they are in the pantheon of the uh, best teams here in South Florida. Uh, they – you know, rolled over Rock Creek last week and, you know, they handled Miami Norland pretty, pretty easily with a, resting a lot of their starters in the second half uh, in the kickoff classic a week before. And then Chaminade, we already talked about how they looked dominant against one of the best teams in the country in St. John's on Saturday night. So this is a very uh, big game with uh, tons of Miami targets in this game, including the Miami commit Antoine Jackson, who's going to be matched up. I don't know who's he, who is he going to match up against. I mean, he's got to pick one, <laughs> uh, but it's it's obviously either going to be JJ or JoJo. Um, and you know, because of that reason, it seems like okay. Well, they've got two five star guys, so you're going to have to probably throw against the one that's not being covered by uh, Antoine Jackson. But at the same time, Diller's got an uh, an unbelievable uh, front seven that is going to, you know, cause some problems, potentially cause some problems for for that um, Chaminade offense. I mean, Chaminade did not look impressive running the football last week. It's not like um, Bullet really kind of went off. Um, uh, towards the end of the game when they were running out the clock, he, he kind of busted loose for a couple of runs here and there. But you don't want to put Bullet in a situation where you have to – where he has to win you uh, the game uh, late. Um, because yeah, especially being banged up on him as, as the year goes on. Yeah. Especially being banged up. I don't know how much they want to push that issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for the game. It's, 
it should be a great one. And um, both quarterbacks have something to prove. And Norseus over at Dillard and, and CJ Bailey at, at, at Chaminade proving that they, you know, have the better team and they're the better quarterback. So um, those are two known, known quarterbacks that are not really recruited as high as maybe we think they should be. Uh, so they have the talent around them to make things happen. You know, uh, I mean, Dillard with the, with Tastine and AJ Jenkins and, and of course, Christopher Johnson at running back. Um, and then, you know, we already talked about all the stars on, on the offensive side for Chaminade. So it's just going to be an outstanding matchup uh, all around. And, uh, you know, the, the entire football world in South Florida will be watching. Yep. And uh, I, I'm looking for, this is one of my favorite games of the year. There's an emotional tie to it with both staffs. Coach Tyler Tate used to be at Chaminade Madonna. Yeah. I think that, I think the biggest matchup for me is going to be Armando Blunt against like DeAndre Dufus and Will Larkins. That and, and that trio of 2025 defensive linemen, as well as Joshua Lloyd, who's a Notre Dame target, could be a Miami target as a pass rusher after if he has a big junior year um, going into next season. I, I, I love that trench battle that's going on between, uh, you know, Shamanah Madonna and Dillard, as well as on the other side. Uh, Bryce Stringer had a really good game for Shamanah Madonna, another 2024 defensive lineman against what is going to be a six foot four. 300-pound average defense, Dillard offensive line. So yeah. um, I think it's going to be a, a drag-it-out, emotional battle. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think this is the type of game that comes down to turnovers. Whoever kind of holds on to the ball more or takes care of the football or takes away the football more is going to end up being the the, the, the winner here. Um, another player that Other players that have been kind of jumping out to me these past couple of weeks, Denzel Johnson, I thought had a great game. Uh, uh, last week, and Keith Thompson of Dill- uh, and Denzel Johnson is from Chaminade, and then Keith Thompson of of Dillard has had back to back really good weeks, um, and I think he he could potentially be an act an X factor for that that Dillard defense, also part of that you know tremendous front uh, that they have uh, defensively. So there's just a ton of players all around that that uh, we'll be watching. And um, should be should be a good one. Should be an interesting one. And then we'll, we'll both be there covering, and you know, getting getting as many interviews as we can at the end of the game, and just kind of hearing what their thoughts about uh, Miami uh, were. And that usually kind of depends on who wins the game, uh, as far as who we'll get to speak to more. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll cover it as much as we can here on KanesCounty.com. The last thing I, I wanted to talk about was really just um. Dan Radakovich and, and talking about the facility upgrades. Um, now, Miami has been kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to facilities for years. And the fact that they just got an indoor facility like five years ago is kind of a joke. <laughs> I mean, for you to just now to get an indoor facility. and But now they're, they're, they're really going to upgrade the facilities to make it more on par of the, with the uh, – you know, the LSUs, Alabamas, and the Ohio States and the Georgias of the world, which is which is great because you never have that factor um, playing playing into, you know, recruiting a prospect. Because prospects, they, they they line up everything. You know, they, they, they look at everything and look at all the differences between school to school. And if one place has, has better facilities than the other, then that does play a factor in, in, in 
their decision. Uh, some may weigh up more highly than others, but there will be facility upgrades according to Radakovich um, happening. They're, they're looking to upgrade and uh, the facilities on campus and uh, they're looking for funding for that. So I'm, I would imagine within the next couple of years, we'll see some some things happening there. But he also mentioned that this whole, this stadium that's behind me is something that they're happy to, to be playing in. And all this talk about, uh, you know, building a stadium at Tropical Park is not something that they're really entertaining in, entertaining right now. And they are in a deal with, uh, with uh, Hard Rock, I think, for like the next 10 years or so, something of that nature. So Miami playing somewhere else is likely not going to happen, but Hard Rock Stadium is a pretty nice stadium. I mean, last night I was at a concert at, at that stadium, and, I, and, you know, it's rare that I actually sit in, in an actual seat um, at the stadium, and, it was, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful stadium. I'm used to just being in the press box and watching a football game, but just kind of getting a feel of, of what the stadium is like as a spectator is great. And, I, I, hey, if it's good enough to, to host the Super Bowl, national championship, and, and just big concerts, then it's probably good enough to, for the University of Miami football team. So, um, I mean, that's kind of what I took from, from the AD Radakovich. And, um, and then also the fact that he's got Alfonso he Alonzo Highsmith uh, heavily involved in – administrative duties as well as football duties so you kind of have someone talking to both sides in, in the middle and why not have Alonzo Highsmith who is kind of the perfect person to be in that position so just kind of hearing that uh, was kind of good to hear as well obviously Alonzo Highsmith is uh, an alum he's a business guy former NFL scout um, and, you know, just knows the business of football and, and recruiting and scouting and also has kind of worked on the administrative side. So he gets to communicate to the, the administration of what the team needs to really be a winner. So those, those are really the things that uh, jumped out to me from uh, his press conference yesterday. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so for me, it, it was him talking about Miami's future home, which was, you know, a, a football facility on campus. They said they, they have found, you know, a place on campus that they can build. Um, they're starting to get funding, like you said. So that, that stood out to me that, you know, they are starting to progress in regards to the arms race that is facilities in college football. Every five years or so, it changes. Um, I mean, I, I visited uh, Tennessee about five years ago. Uh, with Deerfield Beach, They're, them in Kentucky, they were two of the top uh, facilities in college football, and that's already changed. So um, each year, it, it seems like there's a new leader in, in regards to that facility race. Also, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of having Alonzo Highsmith as one of the senior members of the administrative staff, having him in communication, not just about football, but athletics in general. Um, and, and just to touch on the stadium a little bit, I don't think that there's going to be any real significant talk until um, it's not just renderings. It's, you know, actual talk between the city, um, a potential purchase uh, is put in place and that there's a significant conversation of potential to break ground um, with a target date um, that that would probably get things moving. But until then, right now, we're just seeing pictures and, and, and things like that. I think there's a lot of hope that could happen. 
Um, but I think, you know, we've spoke about it before. I don't think that this is something that's going to happen in the next year or so. Uh, to build a stadium is a process. We've yeah. seen it down here before, and it could take upwards of a decade for Miami T to get that done, you know, especially with the city, the city of Miami involved, which we know is Jesus, what a process that could possibly be. Plus right. the funding, like funding to get a stadium like that going. Obviously, it's nice to have a billionaire in your backyard, but it's going to be $800 million to, to, to build that park out uh, the way that they want to. Those guys can't fund that strictly based on themselves. So we're going to have to see some, you know, other guys get involved. Um, and then obviously it's not just building a stadium. They got to do the entire park. It's a renovation of tropical as a park, <laughs> not just, you know, tearing down the stadium. So it's going to be a little bit of a process, but um, I'm excited for the potential opportunity to have a stadium. It, it, it's another selling point uh, for recruits, but um, I thought it was cool to see coach, I mean, uh, Mr. Uh, RAD Radikovich uh, come out and talk to the media. That was a little bit of a surprise for us. Um, and I think that Miami's moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it all starts with game one and game one. It's Saturday, three 30 at hard rock stadium. Um, I predicted a shutout. Let's, let's see what happens. Hopefully they start out uh, on the right foot and just go out there and dominate. Just like what Keen said, Keen said, dominate. So hopefully they go out there and dominate on Saturday, but this, uh, this will conclude the storm tracker podcast until the next episode.